0: Today, I know many of you are aware, it's a pretty big day. Yeah, some of you in your mind right now had different things come to mind. One, Super Bowl. Yes. Two, maybe even more important, Groundhog's Day. (laughs) Right? Yep. So, Groundhog's Day, I'm from Pennsylvania. Uh, In Pennsylvania, there's a town called Punxsutawney, Pennsylvania and uh, Punxsutawney Phil, little groundhog comes out, and then we get to find out whether or not we have more weeks of winter, or we can look forward to an early spring. Any predictions on early spring this year? Okay, a few hopeful people in the room. Uh, I think the kids are coming around now. So the kids have been a part of Clipboard Sunday. Uh, They've been doing different activities. They're coming around with buckets this morning. So don't mind them as they move about. Um, but also, I know some of you are thinking to yourself, not only is it Super Bowl Sunday, not only is it Groundhog's Day, but it is also Palindrome Day, right? Yeah, okay, so zero two zero two twenty twenty. 2020 you can read it forwards or backwards says the same thing, like wow, right? <laughs> also another one, right? Uh, this is a huge day, and these don't, days don't come by very often. Okay, in fact, the last time we had this, those of you doing math currently in your head, yes, 909 years ago, on 11/11 in the year 1111. Right? So, what was happening then? I think Henry V was doing something. Other than that, I don't know. Okay, that's a long time ago. The next one. For those of you um, like math and numbers nerds in the room, the next one is 101 years from now. Good chance none of us will be here to experience it. That will be in the year 12-12-2021, 20, 21, or 21-21. Excuse me, 12-12-21-21. After that, man, long time, 30-30 before we get to another one. So I know, huge day, huge day. I know you guys have been thinking about that all this morning. That has nothing to do with what I'm going to be sharing this morning or what we will be doing. And what we're going to do is transition from that very sharply toward the majesty of Christ, okay? So we are going to consider this morning the beauty and the majesty and the awesomeness of who Jesus Christ is and focus on him alone this morning. And uh, if you have a Bible, I want to encourage you to get it out now and turn it to the passage we're going to be in, because the entirety of our time we're going to be in this passage, it is Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 to 20. Colossians 1, 15 to 20. And um, all, all this week, and even beyond, I have been wrestling with one big idea as it comes to this text, and that is how to make you feel the text, right? Like I want it to resonate with you in such a way that you actually feel the words, not that you would know it or understand it. Those are both important things. Uh, but more importantly, that you would actually feel the passage. And as I've been thinking about it this week, one of the ways that I imagined and people said to me, oh, this would be a great connection, is uh, the passing of Kobe Bryant. The way that we feel about a person or the way that we think or reflect or eulogize, uh, have moments of uh, memorials and grieving, and all those kinds of things about someone who's known by a lot of people, Uh, could be a connection. But every single time I thought about that connection, I kept feeling that while it might be an illustration, it uh, pales in comparison in any way to connect a person with God, right? There's just no connection. It is a bit like this illustration that came to me this morning. It's a bit like comparing Mount Spokane, okay, to the Alps. (laughs) They're both mountains, but, you know, there's really no comparison. And I feel that this morning, I just kept sensing this inability to accurately communicate the awesomeness of God and the majesty of who Christ is in a way that you could feel it. And so instead of me teaching on it, I figured we would spend some time practicing thinking on it. And so this morning, uh, we're going to take the passage and move into a time of what's called Lecto Divina. And the idea behind it Uh, for those of you that have done that with us as a community before, is to spend some time uh, listening. It's a chance for us as a community uh, to meditate, uh, to spend time listening to the voice of God, uh, to be aware of the scriptures in a way that I think is profound. And every time we've done this in the past as a community, uh, God has spoken to us in ways that are memorable. For those of you not familiar with Lecto, it is an ancient method of prayer that's been given to us over the centuries. And it is translated as a divine reading. And the idea behind it uh, is it's a way for us to kind of settle our souls into the passage, into the sacred scriptures, and allow us to ruminate on the Word of God in such a way that we're the ones listening and being shaped by God, not by someone's thoughts about the text, or some idea uh, transposed onto the text, but the very words of Scripture, and God speaking to you through the text. Now, there's four typical steps that you take, and those steps are reading, meditation, prayer, and contemplation. And this morning, my intention is to guide us through each part of that process. And so I want to start our time this morning by just praying and kind of settling ourselves. And then we'll engage in each aspect of this, beginning with reading. So take a moment just to be quiet. Maybe set aside any distractions, any internal worries that you might have, and we'll ask God to enable us to focus. Father, we come before you asking that you would speak to us in both a way that is individual where each of us can hear your voice but also in a way that is communal or corporate and that we collectively have paused to listen to you. God, I pray that what you might reveal to us, the insights you might give us The takeaways that we can leave with would all be centered on your majesty, on the beauty of Jesus, and that we would feel that this morning. Not that we would just know it cognitively, but that we would feel it emotionally. So I ask that you would guide our time, quiet us in a way that we might hear you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, we are going to have several people read through the passage. And here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Uh, When we read through this section, I just want you to listen. Listen to a word or a phrase that might jump out at you. Something that might capture your attention. And then after we read through it two times through the passage, I'm going to give you a moment in silence to just recall the word, to think about it. Maybe you can write it down. If you're sitting next to someone you feel comfortable with, it'd be a great time to turn to them and just simply say your word. No need to explain it, but it's part of like the process of getting that out and allowing the spirit to speak and you to share. All right. So we're just going to listen to the text being read twice. Then I'm going to give you a moment to reflect on that word or phrase from the passage. All right, let's listen. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things. And in him all things hold together. that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. Take a moment and write down that word or phrase or whisper it to the person next to you. We're going to read the passage again, and as we read it this time, I want you to take that word or phrase that the Spirit has brought to your attention, and I want you to think about an image or a feeling that connects with that particular word or phrase, all right? Whatever image or feeling the Spirit brings to you, I want you to think about that. He is the image of the invisible God. Firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. Hmm. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. through him to reconcile to himself all things. Whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. I guess this is working. <laughs> <laughs> Take a moment. I want you to reflect on an image or a feeling that comes to your mind. Again, feel free to share that with a person next to you. The next step is meditation. Often when we hear the word meditation, uh, we might think of some monk sitting in some room by himself, kind of sitting on the floor, legs crossed, eyes closed, and just emptying his mind of everything. Meditation really is not about emptying your mind of everything, it's actually about Immersing yourself in something, specifically immersing yourself in scripture and reflecting on what it is you're hearing from God. So meditation engages your thought, your imagination, your emotion, your desires, all of it is encompassed. And today, I want to guide you into thinking about two things specifically in the text, first thing is the words, all and everything. In recent years, there have been a lot of archaeological digs around the city of Colossae. And uh, as they've been digging, one of the most striking kind of revelations is the number of temples that were found, each temple being kind of dedicated to a different god or goddess. And really the worldview of the people in the time was one in which you had gods that existed up there somewhere and humans that were down here and the whole goal of having a good life down here was to please or make everybody up there happy. And there were these intermediaries, these people that kind of controlled their life that if they made them happy then God or this God person would be happy with them which meant life would go well. And so Paul comes into Colossians, and he is writing to the people, and he's saying, listen, you have Jesus, who is a mediator. And in their mind, they were like, well, yeah, great, that's awesome. You can line him up against all the other ones. And now we just have to keep one other mediator between God and man happy. And yet Paul tries to make it very clear that Jesus does not fit into their system that he is the system, that he is the only one. And Paul tries to get this across by the words, all or everything. So I want you to listen as I read this section of the text again. He, Jesus, is the image of the unseen God, the firstborn of all creation. For in him were created all things in heaven and on earth, everything visible and everything invisible. Thrones, ruling forces, sovereignties, powers, all things were created through him and for him. He exists before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body that is the church, he is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he might be supreme in every way. Because God wanted all fullness to be found in him and through him and to reconcile all things to him, everything in heaven and everything on earth by making peace through his death on the cross. The words all and everything obviously radiate in this text. Paul is wanting... Us as readers to recognize that everything in the world was made for the sake of Jesus Christ. That Jesus is not some footnote at the end of history book, that he's not the afterthought on the mind of God, that he is the first thing on the mind of God. That no matter what else exists and whatever has existed or whatever will exist, it all exists for the sake of Jesus. I want you to take a moment and meditate on these questions. I want to give you one more idea to meditate on in this passage. And it's the idea that Christ is in you and for you. The text says this, For in him were created all things in heaven and on earth. All things were created through him and for him. And in him all things hold together. Again, Jesus is the primary idea in the mind of God. But what's fascinating is that while Paul is sitting in a prison cell, meditating on this very idea and writing it down for the church, he also penned another letter in that same cell and sent it to the Ephesians. So this one he sent to one city, another letter he sends to another city, And here's what he says in this letter. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. He chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before him. He destined us in love to be his children through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely bestowed on us in the beloved. What that text is saying is quite profound. It says this, that before the world began, God had already thought of you and of me. Before humanity was even on the scene, God was already aware of you. So if Jesus Christ is not an afterthought to God, and you and I were thought of before the very foundation of the world, it means that neither you nor I are an afterthought to God. Because before creation even existed, God was already thinking of you and me, and thinking of the relationship that we would have and his desire was that we would be captivated with Christ. Christ wants a deep relationship with every one of us. He's described this way, this glorious, limitless, amazing, incredible, expansive, incomparable, marvelous, stunning, staggering, majestic, mighty, matchless, spectacular, outstanding, tremendous, immense, infinite, vast, grand, triumphant, victorious, precious, radiant, peerless, wonderful, magnificent Christ has chosen to place all of his fullness inside of you. And not only does Christ live in you, but more importantly, you are able to live by his life. You are made utterly, totally, and fully complete in him here and now. I want you to take a moment to reflect on that reality. I would encourage you to write down maybe a short reflection on that statement. It's going to remain there on the screen. What does that statement mean to you, and how does that truth strike you? Take a minute to reflect on that. move into the third step, which is prayer. This is where we take the insights from the first two steps and speak with God about them. There's not any formula. There's not a particular way you do this. Uh, All it is is being transparent and honest with God, being vulnerable with God, sharing back with Him uh, the word or the phrase talking about the feeling or the picture that it invoked, and then these ideas of him being all and everything, or him being the preeminent one that is in you and for you. Just take a moment and spend some time in prayer, and maybe asking what is God's intent on you knowing about yourself or about him? What is he hopeful for you in this time? Spend some time praying. Move to the final step. Contemplation. Contemplation is really all about resting in the presence of God and trying to absorb, so to speak, what the Spirit has been saying to you over the last little bit. Their goal really is to arrive at a deeper love of God and a recognition of His presence in your life. If you can walk away from this fourth step feeling as if God spoke to you, and then very clearly knowing what it is that was said, then you've moved into a place where you've really contemplated what the Spirit might be saying. For those of you that might find these next two minutes a little bit confusing or unsure about that inner dialogue that's going on, another way to think about it maybe is to take a deep breath or two to just kind of pause And then imagine as if Christ was sitting across from you. What would you say to him? But more importantly, what is he saying to you? What did he want you to hear this morning? What is it that he's asking of you? How is it that he's speaking to you? Or is he moving toward you? Is he hugging you? Is he doing some physical demonstration uh, toward you? And think on that. Uh, for these next two minutes, and then we'll shift into another part of contemplation. We're going to finish our contemplation this morning by taking the Eucharist. A time of communion will be a little bit different than we've done in the past. So here's what we're going to ask. If you're upstairs we're going to ask you to come down. If you are down here we're going to ask that everyone come down the center aisle but it's going to be a little bit different than usual in that Brooke is going to greet you here at the front and she's gonna wait until you're in groups of three to five, and then you're gonna go and partake at one of the three tables all collectively in a group of three to five, okay? When you get there, there'll be an elder at each table. The elder will simply ask you a question to the whole group, who invites you to the table? And then your response collectively as a group will be Christ alone. And then they'll walk you through each element. They'll say, this is Christ's body broken for you. And then you'll take the bread. They'll say, this is Christ's blood shed for you. Then you'll dip into the wine or the juice. And then they'll ask you to take and eat. And then you'll eat together as a group collectively. All right? And so a bit like a theme park. You'll come down in groups of five. And then they'll move you into the next cart. OK? It should be be simple. but we're really, we're asking you to be contemplative this, this whole time. To really continue to say, what is it the Spirit is saying to you? Uh, are the words or the phrases that the Spirit brought to your attention being reinforced as you partake? And then at the same time, songs will be going and we invite you to sing and worship as you feel led. And may those words also continue to echo what it is. The Spirit is saying to you, and after that time, I'll come up and uh, close us in benediction. uh, So the remainder of our time will be in communion together. Let me pray, and then we'll ask you to come. Father, continue to speak to us in these moments ahead. We ask this in the power of Jesus. Amen.